Hi, everybody. This is Eleanor Kennedy. Welcome you to another of our bi-weekly mini episodes of our Women of Influence podcast. In a little bit, we'll be sharing a sampling of our conversation with Lori Kaiser of Kaiser Consulting, who talked to us about confronting the naysayers when she decided to launch an accounting firm that lets employees set their own hours and finds projects to fit them, and about the challenges of growing a business like that from a small team to one with dozens and dozens of employees. But before we share that teaser, the full episode will drop next week, I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about one of the most challenging things we all deal with in our professional lives, whichever side of the table we're on, the job interview process. Earlier this month, we shared our 2019 C-Suite Honoree's favorite interview questions to ask in a story on our website, and we got a pretty substantial response. I heard from multiple people who were inspired or otherwise edified by what they read, and several said they were writing down ideas for the next time they're doing a job interview. I'm hopeful that those of you who might be interviewing with any of the folks on our list, Lori included, will take your own notes as several of our honorees told us what types of answers they are on the hunt for when they ask these excellent questions. Before I share a couple of my favorites, though, I'll go ahead and share my most embarrassing job interview story. Well, one of them. There's an internship interview I did in college that I'd really rather never think about again. But this is the most embarrassing job interview story that has a happy ending. As you might know from my occasional use of y'all to open this podcast and the prior Dolly Parton-centric episode, before I came back north to work for Columbus Business First, I spent five years working for our sister publication, the Nashville Business Journal. The day I interviewed for that job, not only did I get my signals crossed on the time zones, meaning I was not actually available at the time the editors were supposed to call me, luckily they lost track of time themselves and called me an hour late. But I also was totally flummoxed by the first question posed, which was, why do you want to work at the Nashville Business Journal? I blanked and believe I actually said, I probably should have thought about that before this call. So yeah, I too am amazed that I am sitting here today. But I bounced back, came up with some good answers, I guess, and made it through the interview process to make moves to Music City a few weeks later. I share this story mostly because self-deprecation is my main mode of conversation, but also because this moment of crisis early in a job interview is an example of how that same thing might not sink you. Still, it probably wouldn't hurt to have an answer prepared for why you want the job you're interviewing for, plus one or two of these other gems from our honorees. Without further ado, here are a couple of my favorite questions from those honorees. Meryl Weinstein, CFO of Highlights for Children, says she likes to ask candidates to tell her about a time when they didn't succeed at something. I like how this is a spin on the what are your biggest weaknesses question, because getting someone to tell you about a specific instance is a way better way to get to know the real them than asking them to speak in generalities. Plus, this seems to avoid the whole I just work too hard and care too much answer. In a similar vein, Randy Dean of Fast Switch said he likes to ask candidates to tell him about a time they received negative feedback from a manager or customer and how they handled it. Much like Merrill's question, I think this forces the candidate to get specific and also tells you about how this person thinks about growth and development. Similarly, Greg Guy of Air Force One Inc. said he actually asks if he can give the candidate some feedback during the interview to see how they respond to his critical responses in the moment. Michelle Heritage of the Community Shelter Board has my favorite of all the questions, a great narrative-driven question that I can't wait to steal for a future podcast. First, she asks candidates to talk about an actual day at work. They're driving home, and they can't wait to tell people what happened. It was just the best day ever. Give her all the details. 
Then she asks for the inverse, the day they're driving home and aren't sure they're going back the next day. Talk about a great way to make the conversation get real. You can find all 43 of those questions on our website, including Lori's, and stay tuned to hear her share a little bit more on her approach to hiring in the teaser conversation to follow. I want to go way back. You mentioned that your your firm is, you know, kind of the inverse of a typical accounting firm. I imagine when you were a student and going into being a CPA, it was a largely male-dominated industry at that point, right? right. So what what was that like for you? What still uh, what interested you in the field, and and did you feel you know sort of unusual being a woman going into it? It's like three questions. Yeah, at once that's thing. okay. <laughs> I'm a pretty quantitative person, so um, once I decided that I wanted to be in business, uh, gravitating to kind of the far quantitative side was pretty normal and natural for me. What I found when I got out is those technical skills helped in the first couple of years, but pretty quickly, within 18 months, you're starting to supervise other people, and I really found that that was where I got my energy from helping train other people and creating great teams and um, servicing the client. So within a couple of years, it was really all about managing the people and the expectations and transferring knowledge, which I found that I liked that part too. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually what's made me successful is building great teams and then also being able to take those teams and help clients solve problems. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest challenge that you faced in your career? So the biggest challenge that I faced was when I decided to turn Kaiser Consulting into a real firm. For a long time when I started doing project work on my own, I thought it was going to be a temporary thing, that I was just sort of filling in when my children were little and that when they got into school, I would go back and find, you know, kind of a real job. So I drafted a business plan and had this grand plan for how I was going to serve large companies and grow into a a big service firm. I met with a couple of people in town and everybody said I couldn't do it. Um, So I had this period of time where I kind of, flip-flopped. Could, could I really do this? People are telling me that I couldn't do this. And I decided that I wasn't going to let other people tell me what I could do. What was prompting them to say you couldn't do it? I think it was the inertia of looking at the way things were and then envisioning doing them totally different. Mm -hmm. So really, I was kind of an early disruptor to how things had always been. And so back in the 90s, people were like, well, you can't change some major fundamentals to how we do work. Mm -hmm. Is that talking about the the flexible scheduling and stuff? Or what else was disruptive? Yeah, they basically said big companies will not buy from you in the way that you want to provide services. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so now we have Cardinal, Nationwide, Honda, Express, Abercrombie. We have most of the big employers in town. So I'm kind of thinking they were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And at what point was that that you decided to turn it into real business? Were your kids still little at that point or was that sort of a new phase sort of um they were getting older Uh and I was sort of I had a handful of employees and so I was really kind of at that point where I needed to either really commit to growing I personally feel the hardest point to uh, grow a firm is about three to maybe 15 Mm -hmm. um with with just two or three people you can just know exactly what everybody's doing and you don't need to have systems and processes to get things done. Mm -hmm. But as you cross over into, you know, three, five, seven employees, 
you risk losing consistency and the quality of work. And so I needed to make some decisions around that point. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go for it. <laughs> what did it mean for your, you know, kind of the cliche of like work-life balance, your family life, stuff like that? Did that change a lot when you really went for it or was it pretty consistent? I am blessed with not needing a lot of sleep. So <laughs> I, I would do client work during the day and I would do everything related to the business at night, the mm-hmm. payroll, the books, the billing, and that worked for a long time. Is that still what you do? <laughs> oh, well, you said you don't do client work anymore. I don't so. do client work anymore, and I actually have a full team of people that handle all that stuff now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good, great. I'm glad you're getting more sleep, hopefully. <laughs> when you're talking about that growing and bringing more people on, it prompts me to think about hiring. What do you look for? You're asking these people how much they want to work, what do they want to work on. What are you looking to hear from them, or what do you? What stands out to you in a candidate that you know there's somebody you should add to your team? So... We actually have a whole list of um, what we call them success factors. So what's going to make somebody successful at Kaiser Consulting? Um, We can pretty much look at somebody's resume and tell if they've had the right work experience and they are technically competent. But we need people on our team who like to solve problems and who want to be an important part of a client team to solve a problem. We tend to like people, we call them, that have batteries included right? They're going to be out there at the client site and they have to be a self-starter and they have to be taking the first five steps and, and also kind of often prodding the client to take steps towards the solution because the vast majority of people don't like change. Mm-hmm. And so they actually have to be motivated to want to change and, and kind of prodded along the way. 